Family Travel Radio has partnered with our good friends at Airtrex to help you and your family see more of the world for less money and just as importantly, less stress. To learn about how Airtrex makes complex multi-stop trips easy and attainable for families, visit familytravel.org slash radio slash Airtrex. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, it's Aaron Schlein, and welcome back to Family Travel Radio. This is the third of five episodes in a very special series called From Dream to Reality, Round the World Trips for Families. Each episode in the series covers one unique component of taking a family trip around the world. Once again, those components are dream, plan, budget, book, and go. In today's episode, all about the budget, which is certainly the least glamorous piece of the around the world puzzle, but it's perhaps the most important because quite frankly, it doesn't really matter how big your dream is or how meticulously you've planned. You're just not going to get very far without some traveling money. Now, we've got another fantastic interview coming up here today. We're going to be chatting with Daniel Gamber, a real-life father and husband and a trip planner for Airtrex. And he took his family around the world, and he's going to share his story with us. And my chat with Daniel is coming up in just a minute. But first, I want to welcome back once again, for the third time, the general manager of Airtrex, Sarah Habib, to talk about that big, scary budget. Sarah, welcome back. Thank you. How can we make that budget not so doggone scary? Well, that's a great question. And I think understanding how much money you have set aside for this and then trying to figure out where where to allocate that money is something that Airtrex has a lot of experience with. And I can give you guys some, some tips for doing it with your family. First of all, you can use our online trip planner to get a sense of what your airfare cost is going to be. You're also going to have variables in that based on what's important to you. For example, you may say to yourself, well, you know, we're t- there's five of us. We want to make sure that we're all seated together. We wanted to make sure that we're going to get food on this flight because not all airlines offer food now. So there are some considerations that you want to think about when you're buying your tickets and you want to think about where your dollar is going to go in your trip. For example, another kind of decision-making process in the budgeting scheme of things is, do you want to splurge a little bit on a hotel that has some kind of specific local amenity that you're not going to find anywhere else? You know, like, let's say you, um, your family like loves Disney stuff, like sometimes staying at a hotel where you have Disney characters enhances the experience, right? And then also there's the opposite of that. Like maybe you want to stay somewhere that's a little bit less expensive and more locally authentic. So instead of staying at the Sheraton, which is obviously a great choice, maybe you could stay, do a homestay with a family that could be less expensive and you could be making a more meaningful connection locally. So these are all like really, really detailed elements of budgeting for a trip like this. But there there are things to think about when you're thinking about how you're going to allocate the funds that you've set aside. For, for the trip. If you're just trying to get a big picture idea of how much you're going to be spending, our trip planner is a great resource. And then you can all, I don't have the URL right now, but there's a website that will sort of give you a cost per day calculation in, in different cities. So you can take the cities in your trip and figure out how much you could expect to spend per day. And if you choose expensive cities like New York or Sydney or London, 
your dollar is obviously going to go less far than if you choose less expensive places to visit, like Thailand, like Malaysia, that kind of thing. And Sarah, I know that I can count on you to send me that link after we're done chatting here so I can link I it up in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. And of course, we'll have links to everything that Sarah and I have been talking about, including the Trip Planner, which is available at tripplanner.airtrex.com. Calm. Meaningful connection, Sarah. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about mindset, mindset around budget, because having the dream and even having a plan, it's great. It's great that we have those things. But when we're living our day-to-day lives, having that mindset to where we see that clear value in travel and so much value, in fact, that we're willing to make some sacrifices in our day-to-day life to set aside that money for those travel experiences. Talk about that day-to-day budgeting mindset. Yeah, that can definitely be challenging. Something that I've heard of my clients doing when they're doing this with their family is making a little chart on the on the fridge or like have a little jar. So like every $5 you're not spending on a latte goes into the travel jar. Like sometimes having the physical money there and then you go to the bank at the end of the week and you put it in and everyone kind of records how much they've personally contributed to it. Or when you're having dinner at home instead of going out, you can use that time to talk about the trip that you're going to be taking. So try to incorporate the bigger why of the budgeting into all of the little things that you're that you're needing to cut back on to save for your trip. And not only does that really help in the moment, it can also make it a lot more meaningful because you know, not only will you have the trip to look back on, you'll also remember, hey, remember when we were eating spaghetti for six months before mm-hmm. that and talking about all the traveling we wanted to do? Yep. It's all part of that story. And once again, that fabric of our lives and the, the family dinner table has come up several times throughout our, our chats this week. It's, I never realized that the family dinner table could play such an important role in, in transformational travel. So thanks for bringing that up. So we're going to, we're going to move on here today. We've got a, a great guest, one of your colleagues, Sarah, Daniel Gamber, who actually took a sabbatical, did an around the world trip with his family. So thank you, Sarah Habib, once again, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk booking that trip. Sounds great. Once again, I'd like to thank our friends over at Airtrex for making this special podcast series possible. Airtrex specializes in multi-stop international travel, especially trips with complex routes. You can learn more about Airtrex and start planning that trip for your family over at familytravel.org slash radio slash Airtrex. That's familytravel.org slash radio slash A-I-R. T-R-E-K-S, familytravel.org slash radio slash airtrex. Very pleased to welcome Daniel Gamber to the program today. Daniel is a husband, a father, and a travel professional who has specialized in multi-stop around-the-world airfares for over 20 years. As a senior travel planner for Airtrex, he uses his worldly experience, which includes a 13-month sabbatical with his wife and two children. We're going to talk about that a lot today. Daniel looks to inspire and create customized itineraries for his clients. Daniel, my friend, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Oh, certainly my pleasure. Daniel, today we're talking, we're going to be continuing this conversation. We're in day three now talking around the world trips with Airtrex. And I wanted to speak to you, my friend, because you have an incredible story that began really, your your travel story at least, began uh, on a trip you took with your parents to Hong Kong. Tell me about that trip and the effect that it had on your life. That's right. So I was a Navy brat and I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I was actually born in Spain and travel cross country. But when I was in 
about 10 years old. My uh, father was overseas on a cruise on an aircraft carrier, and my mom got this idea together to bring my brother and I and meet him in Hong Kong. And neither one of us had been out of the country before at that point. So it was a big deal, long flight. And then once we arrived, it was, uh, you know, seeing our father after, I guess it was about five months that we hadn't seen him was pretty awesome. But uh, just being in this new country and had this new experience and all of just all of the differences that it that it offered, the food, the sounds, the smells, um, it was eye-opening to, to say the least. Can you take me back to any one particular incidents? You talked about the sights and the sounds and the smells. Any one in particular that really sticks out? Honestly, that one of the first things I, I can, when I think back about it, that really I remember distinctly was when we had a, a dinner and we were sitting around a large communal table and they were bringing out uh, all of the different plates. And a lot of them, we didn't know what they were. It was when they brought out some plates that we didn't know. I, I know that my mother was a little shy and trying it. And I noticed that when I tried something that no one else was would try, I got a lot of encouragement and feedback. And so it kind of egged me on to, to be more adventurous, to try other things. And I kind of kept that for the rest of my life. When it comes to food and travel, which is a part of travel that I absolutely love, is exploring the, the culinary scenes and what the different countries have to offer. It, um, it was something that just sort of started a, a whole nother adventure for sure. I, I love that. I love that, that idea that as a, as a kid, you're you know, getting that attention, getting that, that, that applause and that encouragement for trying new things. I love, I always look, I'm always looking for ways to build that in as a father, build that into my kids' lives where they're getting positive reinforcement for, for trying new things. We're going to get a little deeper into your story as a father and we'll probably talk about that a little more as the, as the interview goes on. But talk to me a little bit about how that trip, those early trips with your parents really sparked your, your wanderlust that, that led you into a lifetime of solo travel, then couples travel, and then finally family travel. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, just getting outside of that bubble, um, and, uh, being able to explore all those different aspects that I mentioned, um, you know, when you're young and you really just sort of have this life of going to school and, and coming back and it's sort of a bubble of everything exists around you. And then you step outside of that and see how other people live and, and everything that the world has to offer and just the beauty and uh, the magic. It just got me to where when I was 20 years old, I took uh, a semester off and did the, the classic U.S first experience on your own and went to Europe and traveled for three months with a good buddy of mine. We traveled to, you know, 15 countries and just did the Eurorail thing and just uh, had that experience without my parents' support and completely funded that trip and had that sort of uh, pride of having accomplished that. And that just set the ball rolling with wanting to explore more and see different continents and you know, and then share that with the people that I really cared about. So uh, sometimes it was by myself and that was in it in and of itself completely different than the time that I was with my friend or the time that I was with my companions. And then ultimately uh, my wife and our travels and then sharing it with the kids. It was really just a progression. And each of those trips had a distinct quality about them, you know, and, and how you interacted with people, how you share the experience with the people you're with or the people you're not with. And when you come back, 
I, I think it was really with my children that was the most meaningful and, and um, definitely uh, had the biggest impact. Well, I can relate. I can, I can really relate to your timeline because mine was extremely similar. Traveled a lot with my, with my grandmother and then a little bit with my parents, but mostly with my grandmother when I was young, transitioned into the summers abroad. I did the three-month year-rail backpack trip just the way you <laughs> described yeah. and then did quite a bit of overseas travel with my wife before she was my wife. And then now we're into family travel. So let's, let's get to the, the next stop along the way after the solo backpacking. Talk to me a little bit about the, the travel that just you and your wife did together before kids. Yeah, well, we went on a couple, a couple trips. The first one we did was a five-week trip in Southeast Asia, which was uh, Cambodia, uh, Vietnam, Laos, and just a little bit of Thailand. That was when we realized that we could travel together, which is always <laughs> the first hurdle that you want to have when you're with someone that you love and you love traveling is to make sure that you guys are compatible. And, and that was a, that was a great trip for us because we had some challenges and things that we got through together and we realized that, yeah, we can definitely travel together. And that set us up for, um, you know, the next big trip, which was when I actually met my wife, Sarah at Airtrex. Uh, we were working in San Francisco in the downtown office at the time. And we worked there for four years and then we took a sabbatical together and we traveled for 13 months, um, 2002 and 2003, through the South Pacific for two months, and included the Cook Islands and Fiji, uh, New Zealand, Tahiti, and then we came in through uh, Rapa Nui, Easter Island, into uh, Chile, where we spent 10 months on the ground and traveled all throughout South America, as far north as Peru and all through Brazil and everywhere in between. I love the insight about what you learn about a significant other through travel and where it can either confirm or not confirm the, the fact that you should be together long-term. Daniel, we've never, I don't think we've ever given relationship advice on this podcast before, but let's, let's start right now. When should we, when should we take that trip with someone we just start dating? How long do you wait to travel? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> for someone like me, uh, traveling being as important as it is in my life and in my wife's life, it was something that we both wanted to do pretty quickly. You know, I think we had only known each other for a year. And I think by the time we went on our first trip together, we had only been seriously together for maybe six months. So we, you know, kind of jumped in the deep end in Southeast Asia and can have its challenges. It's very easy to travel there, but it can, it can pose some challenges. And, uh, it really cemented the idea that, um, you know, we did well together. I mean, she is a real intricate planner and really likes to move fast. And, and I kind of sometimes let things flow and just sort of uh, let things happen. And I think we'd really play off each other. And, and that's a relationship that really works well is when you can use both of your strengths to uh, succeed in what you're looking to do. And where does, how does she measure up on the adventurous scale? Oh, she's, she's right up there for sure. She traveled around the world twice before we ever even got together. So she's went solo, uh, traveled for one year and then did it uh, again before we got together. And so she, she's got her travel chops to say the least. I think it was, it was our honeymoon. We had a six week uh, honeymoon, which was uh, circumnavigating around the world. We went to Malaysia and Mauritius into Kenya, spent time in Tanzania, Zanzibar, through Ethiopia, to Dubai and back to New York, where we were living. 
And I, I think that was when I realized that maybe we sometimes have different styles. We uh, did a safari and my whole thing about having a safari was I really wanted to sleep in a tent and I wanted to be outside. And her whole thing was, well, I kind of like to enjoy the, the posh, uh, you know, huts and maybe stay in a nice uh, guest house. And so we compromised. And so we did a, a customized tour that we worked with the company with and we got some tent time and then we got some really nice guest house time. And it was, it was actually pretty nice. Well, it sounds like it. And sounds like you and Sarah really are a, a travel power couple. <laughs> but you say, Daniel, and you, there's an article up at airtrex.com that covers your, really the family aspects of your travel. And in that article, you say that your most memorable journeys have been traveling to five continents with your wife and your two children. And I love that. Daniel, when you became a dad, or maybe even before you became a dad, what sort of goals or ideas did you have about traveling with your kids? Well, I mean, I distinctly remember on that honeymoon, in fact, before we even had kids or, were, I mean, we wanted kids, but it was on that uh, safari that, you know, we kind of looked around and we're like, how amazing would it be to, to be a kid and, and go on a safari and actually, you know, see these animals in their environment and to, to be in Africa and experience that culture. You know, we knew right from the get-go that, that was something that we wanted to share with them. And it meant so much to us in our lives, and we really enjoyed uh, all the aspects of travel. So it, it was a it was a priority for sure, and it was something that we strove for, and and we knew we were going to do it. It was just a matter of time. And yeah, and that time certainly did come. And let's just fast forward in the timeline here. We're we're talking round the world trips, and you did a round the world trip with your family. And of course, Daniel, you are an Airtrex planner. So as you're listening to Daniel talk about this trip, just know that Daniel is available to help you, my friend, out there in uh, podcast land plan your round the world trips. You can get in touch with him, Daniel at Airtrex.com, and you can also schedule a call, one to one call with Daniel. And there's going to be a link in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. So you can schedule your call with Daniel Gamber at Airtrex. But Daniel, take me through, start at the beginning, take me through that round the world trip with your family. Yeah. So it was a process. Like I said, I think we decided that we were going to do it before we even had kids. But then once that was the, the case, we were working towards when we were going to pull it off. That had a lot to do with, with budgeting and, and saving enough money for us to take that sabbatical and take that year off to travel, not to work, to just be in the moment, to travel with them. And then it was the process that you know I share with a lot with my clients and coming up with the routing and involving the children with coming up with where we wanted to go. And that's really part of the fun of it all, for us at least, is, is just starting to plan, starting to fantasize, starting to think about you know, what is possible, where could you go, what do you want to do? And we, you know, we waited until our children, it was a common thing. I used to tell people a lot, you know, when they would ask how old they were, they were seven and nine when we decided to travel. And, and I don't think it's ever too early to take children traveling. To be honest, we traveled some trips when they were younger and one month old, six month old down to South America and Mexico and overseas. For this trip, we wanted to take them and we took them out of school and they traveled for a year when they were really old enough to remember the experience that we had with them, but young enough to want to hold our hand. So we really wanted to have that time where they could want to be with us and we could share together. I need, I need to repeat that. Cause I, I just kind of 
I just kind of stopped in my tracks for a second. Old enough to remember, but young enough to want to hold your hand. I you gotta you gotta put a trademark on that phrase if there isn't one already. I said I've been saying it for a few years, and um, and again to reiterate, I mean, traveling with children at any age, and, and that was one of the things that we found out when we did travel was how different it is to travel with children in different countries, and just how the doors open differently, the conversations start differently. Uh, the experiences that you have that you, you wouldn't have as a single traveler, you wouldn't probably have as a, as a couple. But when you have children and even an infant, you know, we met uh, travelers in, in South America on that trip in Ecuador who had a six-month-old and they were carrying them on their back and they were just getting involved. It was just so inspiring. And for us to have that moment where we could really share that with them, you know, the, the average American typically gets two weeks off and they're lucky if they get more. But for one year of travel, for us to spend that time with our kids, that amounted to 24 years of vacations that we squeezed into that year of travel. To, to share that with them, was it was fantastic. Oh, it certainly sounds like it. Did you share a little nugget of wisdom with me? I'll, I'll share one of my little phrases that I, I think I coined. It's more of a word of wisdom, maybe a, a fortune cookie type wisdom than anything. But a lot of parents say they don't want to travel with their kids till they're old enough to remember the trip. And what I say to them is you don't not talk to a baby because they can't understand you. You talk to the baby so that they will understand you. And I kind of apply that to traveling. You travel with kids, even though they may not remember it, but it sets a foundation for years of hopefully years of great travel ahead. Absolutely. It's not quite as succinct. You couldn't fit that on a t-shirt the way you could. <laughs> no, it is the truth for sure. We're right here in this episode here, Daniel, we're, we're talking budget. So if you wouldn't mind, just spend a little bit of time. We're not going to go too deep into uh, into your finances, but any budgeting tips for, for families that are really want to make that round the world trip dream become a reality? You know, I think that that's a common question that I get. How much does it cost? I think there's really three factors when it comes down to it. It's time and how long you travel, how long you stay in places and what season you go. And then there's place where, you know, where are you actually going? Are you going to Europe? Are you going to Southeast Asia? Are you going to South America? Spending time in North America? And then there's style. You know, are you a backpacker? Are you a luxury traveler? And how that, you know, equates to your accommodations, your restaurant choices and eating options, you know, your overland travel options. You know, so when you take in those factors, the time that you're traveling, where you're going to go and the style, that's really how you can start to compose your budget and what it's going to actually cost. It's pretty common on the internet and many different sites talk about nowadays uh, around the world trip for one year, a typical budget for including transportation costs and accommodation and everything else is, is about $20,000 to $30,000 for one person. And that's not a backpacker bucket. You can definitely do it less than that. Um, but if you're, you know, an average traveler spending and, you know, a certain amount each day. And that, and that really is what I start with, you know, how long are you traveling for? And then focusing on the number of days that you're traveling. Cause then it's, you can wrap your head around it of, you know, how much are you going to spend if you're spending a month in Europe and you're spending a month in India and you're spending a month in Australia, you know, those 60 days are going to have vastly different budgets. And by looking at it as how long you stay in each spot, and applying that style, then you can actually start 
getting into, is this a hundred dollar a day spot? Is this a $300 a day spot? And then certain ways to, you know, save money. Well, I love that. And one thing we haven't really gotten into at all yet is with air treks, what, what, what are your options in terms of, of length of trip? You know, you talk about the year long sabbaticals or six month, even what are, what are our ranges? Like what's the, what's the shortest amount of time that air treks makes sense for, for planning a trip like this? Well, the thing about air treks is, is what we actually do is, is we're putting together a bunch of different tickets to get people where they want to go. So it's completely customizable. You can travel for one week around the world. You can travel for three years around the world. And the reality is in every, every system, you can only book a reservation 330 days in advance. So logistically, it's not, you're not able to actually book a reservation for more than a year, just shy of a year out. But if you wanted to travel for two years, it's common, and we do it uh, quite frequently for our long-term travelers, is we'll put together a portion of their trip maybe six months, eight months, or even 10 months even. And then once they start their trip, they'll reach out to me again. We'll put together another portion or the next portion of their trip. You know, generally three to five stops is our wheelhouse. That's going to be our specialty. And if you're traveling for two weeks in the summer or three months over a semester or six months over the year, you know, we can customize that. And you don't have to travel around the world and circumnavigate the world. And on both of the trips I explained earlier, going with my kids and with my wife to South America on those two different years, neither one of those was technically around the world. Uh, it was a multi-stop international itinerary. So the routing for a family trip was from Los Angeles to Rome, to Greece, to Croatia, through Slovenia, back into Israel, overland to Jordan, Jordan to Dubai, Dubai to India for three months, through the Seychelles to South Africa, where we went overland for three months through Swaziland and Soto and Namibia. And then we went through France on the way to Colombia and Ecuador. So we actually crossed the Atlantic Ocean twice and never went over the Pacific. But we can do that because of the way that we construct these packages. Well, Daniel, you know, I just yesterday, and this is absolutely true story, just yesterday I hung up a world map here in my podcast studio because I said, when my guests are talking about the places they are, the places they've visited, I want to be able to look at a map and see it right in front of me. So this was the very first time I've gotten to use it. I was following along on my map, all the places that you mentioned. And wow, what a what a trip, my man. So now that these trips are, are behind you, give me some takeaways from, from you as a parent and then also looking at your children in terms of growth, what were, what were some of the benefits that you took away from this incredible round the world adventure? I think one of the things that we found pretty early on in our adventures was uh, the children really kind of stepped up and uh, became more independent. We always thought that we had a long leash with them where we lived in Portland at the time. But once we started traveling with them, uh, we did sort of let that leash out even longer and we let them really, you know, dictate what they felt comfortable with. And, and they really matured through that. You know, when you're traveling around the world for that long, 
you don't kind of kind of think about it at home, but there's not always access to other children. You know, if you're in a location where there's school, they're not going to be seeing children their age and they're not going to be hanging out with them at the beach. So it was pretty funny because a lot of times they would end up hanging out with a lot of the backpackers at the places that we were staying or, or, or visiting. And those 20 year old backpackers were closer in age to our kids than they were to us in our mid forties. The kids just loved to have that interaction and they really became mature and would have, you know, conversations with these adults and they loved to have that attention. It really opened their eyes, I think, to that difference, specifically when they would be able to play with kids and they would meet the locals, then they would realize that they were hindered in the fact that they only spoke one language. And, and that was a huge difference. All the children that they met when they were traveling usually spoke their local language and then at least English, if not several others. I think our children realized pretty early on that learning another language, having that access to that skill was a benefit. And it uh, planted the seed, really, for them to accept the fact that when we came back from that trip, within nine months, we were living in Spain. And that was something that they were excited about. Which is something we failed to mention in this interview, that Daniel, in fact, does still live in Spain. He and I were, were chatting right now across nine time zones from California all the way to there into Spain. Daniel, I really love that you've taken some so much time to, to really share and dig in to this around the world experience. And Daniel and I both really want you to know out there, my friends, that it is possible to travel the world with your children. And it's probably easier than you think it is. And Airtrex, of course, has the tools to get that plan into action. And you can explore those different routes on the, the Airtrex Trip Planner app, which we've talked about quite a bit in this series, and we're going to continue to talk about. And you can connect with Daniel directly. Daniel Gamber is a real human being, and you can get direct access to him by email, daniel at airtrex.com. And again, you can schedule that call, that one-to-one call with Daniel. There's a link that I'm going to put in the show notes over at familytravel.org slash radio, where you can schedule that call, get on the phone with Daniel, start planning that trip. Daniel Gamber, my man, it's been such a pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's been great. Well, all right, there you have it. Episode three out of five in this special series. We've now dreamed and we've planned, we've budgeted, and now we're going to get to the good stuff. Tomorrow, we're going to book. And then finally, episode five coming up on Friday, we are going to go, my friend. Don't forget to check out familytravel.org slash radio slash airtrex. That's familytravel.org slash radio slash A-I-R-T-R-E-K-S, familytravel.org slash radio slash Airtrex. Episode four in the series is coming at you bright and early tomorrow morning. Until then, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I'm signing off. 